We'll be reading from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Dear friends in Christ, the term cloak and dagger is a relatively old one, possibly has its roots in the late Middle Ages. And it refers to a secretive manner in which people act in general or conduct themselves in certain situations where they go about doing it secretly. Those who were sent out on these secret missions and whatnot, they would conceal themselves in dark cloaks, and they would carry daggers, not only for defensive measures, but sometimes offensive ones as well. As we meditate on the Passion history once again this Lenten season, you'll notice that there's quite a bit of cloak and dagger stuff going on. Take the Jewish leaders, for example. They were constantly seeking ways to catch Jesus doing something wrong. When Jesus stood before the high priest Caiaphas, they went so far as to bring in false witnesses to testify against him. Or look at the account of Judas. Judas betrayed the most innocent man in the world for 30 pieces of silver, kissed him on the cheek, and had them come arrest him, that they might kill him. Or what about Peter? Peter was willing to take on a small group of soldiers there in the garden, but when that sword was sheathed and looking within himself, he betrayed the Lord three different times by denying him in front of the people. One need only look through the Bible at all these different accounts and go all the way back to Genesis 3. And you'll see that this cloak and dagger business has been going on for quite some time. It goes back to the other garden, the perfect garden, the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, they betrayed God by eating that fruit that he commanded them not to eat of. They attempted to hide themselves in shame like one does when they sin, and they sinned. Or what about your own lives? 
What are you hiding under the cloak of sin? You can hide it for a while. Lies, cheating, impure thoughts, impure deeds. No one ever has to know, right? Your parents, your pastors, your professors, your siblings, your very own best of friends, none of them ever has to know what you're hiding, right? Well, you know that the answer to that question is no. Even the natural man has it within his own heart to know that some things are wrong, and he recognizes that. And even with those small sins that we think we can hide safely, they are seen by God. He knew the mind of Adam and Eve. He knew the mind of the high priests, Judas, Peter, and he knows our hearts and minds as well. The dagger of sin was plunged deep into our hearts long ago, and we were dead because of it. On the other end, Jesus did not go about his work secretly. When he preached, he preached the unchanging word that had been taught from the very beginning. When he was interrogated there, he answered truthfully. He came in the likeness of sinful people like us, and yet he was without sin himself. He was tempted in all of the same things that we face, and yet he did not give in to the temptations. That's because he knew that light and darkness have no fellowship with one another. And while the world attempted to cover itself in that cloak of sin, and while the world still tries to cover itself in that cloak of sin, he openly displayed the greatest act of love by hanging on the cross, shedding his own blood for each of us. So from those sins that were committed by Adam and Eve, Judas, Peter, to the Jews and the Gentiles, men and women, children and old alike, Jesus saw each and every one of those sins while he hung there. He knew the evil in all of us, and he still took that punishment for us while he died. He died for sinners when they were in their very worst state. What a wondrous display of love that truly was. And now, because of it, we have peace with God through Christ. He paid that price that we cannot pay. And the Holy Spirit gives us faith in Him that we can recognize that the tribulations we face now in this life do not compare, nor can they ever compare, to the glory that is to come because of Him. Our hope is plain to see now because of that open work that Jesus did for us. There is no need for secrecy. We can ditch all of this cloak and dagger business and we can equip ourselves in that righteousness that Christ has won for us and the whole armor of God. We can do this because we have been reconciled to God through him. We have been rescued. We have been forgiven. Amen. We conclude with hymn 723 verses 1, 2, and 4.